Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Adam, uh, it's been a long time coming, but I want to do something very special on the opening of today's show. Oh, really? I have a box of Star Trek cards in front of me that you sent to me. Yeah! Uh, I meant to get to this this on the last episode, and I uh, spaced out... Because I was drinking a beer, but uh, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna open and open this thing up. Oh, that's awesome! Uh, so this is Star Trek: The Next Generation Portfolio Prints Trading Cards Series One. That is a series of words and phrases that are essentially meaningless to me. <laughs> uh, and then it's got a, a silver sticker that says this is number four thousand fifty-five out of six thousand. So I guess there's. A limited number of these out 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 there in the wild, and I'm probably committing a grave sacrilege by cutting into this, breaking oh all the seals. Only six thousand boxes. I know. Can you imagine the demand that that uh, that must have built up for these precious few boxes? I I want that box to be full of argyles. Like <laughs> the intention for me was to buy you nothing but argyles but that yeah. option was not open okay so this it's a it's a box full of little packets of cards maybe there's like i don't know these might be like eight cards to a pack oh God, five this, cards to a pack this is great pod i'm just uh, i'm riveted I'm, I'm gonna open i'm just gonna open one pack we'll see okay. what's in, inside yeah if this if this segment works we can keep doing it what do you know about these cards when I was doing an eBay search for the Star Trek cards that I bought as a kid uh, with that $20 bill, yeah, I couldn't find anyone selling them. Like, that's how little value they had. Well, I was recently at an estate sale with our friend Jesse Thorne, uh, proprietor of MaximumFun.org, and oh, yeah. he, dis- he showed me a section of trading cards that was replete with these and also like Babylon 5 cards and uh, cards from things that you would never expect anybody to collect things. Murder She Wrote cards? Yeah. Okay, so I've got five cards here. What do I, what do I have? Whoa, each pack only has five cards? Yeah. Wow. So I have one called Frame of Mind. I guess this is a, the name of an episode. Okay. Uh, it's got like a pretty crazed picture of Commander Riker. Oh, fun! Um, uh, you should post pictures of these on our on our Twitter at uh, hashtag Greatest Gen. Oh, I sure will. I have one uh, for Data Lore, the episode in which Data's evil twin brother Lore is introduced. Oh, good! And An it, episode we've actually watched. Yeah, and it's like a uh, their their heads are sort of back to back and you know, like pushed together. So there's a common hole and then there's like circuits exploding out of the hole. Oh man. I was hoping that one would have been like a hologram card where the hologram was like data spazzing out on the ground when lore was hitting his button. (laughs) That would have been fun. (laughs) That would have been good. Oh, here's a signed one. Oh, who do we got? Uh, this is signed by George Baxter who played (laughs) David in the episode unnatural selection. (laughs) 
Okay. I, I'm gonna have to go to uh, to the internet for this one. Yeah, this is not a this is not a a person I recognize at all. Oh wait, this might be like one of the uh, the perfect children in that episode where like the I think like everybody's getting old or something. Remember that episode? as a featured actor, he received no credit for his appearance. You got a signed <laughs> card from a C actor. Who was never credited for his role in the show? That is awesome. They are real gangsters with the with the show credits on this on this series, aren't they? God, this George Baxter guy would be great at Greatest Gen Con. Oh, who, uh, we'd we'd love to have George Baxter there. I mean, I, if he's I, I if think, he's down to sign, he's down to come to Greatest Gen Con. I think one of the biggest rules of being at Greatest Gen Con on, and on a panel is that you could not have been credited on the show while making an appearance on the show oh yeah that's uh, yeah. <laughs> i think that'd be fantastic yeah anybody that was uh that was a major character in a film and didn't get a credit also can be there so khan's right hand man oh, from God. uh wrath of khan I'm, um, I'm going to look up the value of that signed card on ebay what are the other cards that you have uh so the last two are uh one for the episode i borg which is the one where they like find a Borg and name it and then like feel really bad when they have to send it back to the collective. Uh, and Oh, here's another, here's another card for the episode unnatural selection. Oh, uh, let's see. It's just got a little synopsis on the back here. The enterprise crew learns that everyone on the USS Lantry has died of rapid aging. My memory is almost flawless, Adam. Yeah, clearly. Um, uh, this is an episode in season two because there's a mention of Dr. Pulaski here. Oh, fun. Um, yeah, so the highest value I found for the card you're, you're holding, the uh, the George Baxter card, is $17. Let's assume I could sell it for the highest value, being that I'm a noted Star Trek enthusiasm celebrity. You are. Wow, 17 bucks. That's pretty good. That is that is not bad. I feel like this uh, this adventure is already paying for itself. You should roll that value back into more boxes of Star Trek cards. That's uh, <laughs> that's, that's that's my the way ga- to win at Vegas, right? That's my gambling mind at work there. <laughs> oh man, that was fun. Is that all the cards? That was all. That was all five cards. Wow. Yeah, definitely take a picture of that and put it online. I like to see. I will. There are. Literally dozens and dozens more packs of cards, <laughs> so we could oh, conceivably do this for the rest of the series. Awesome! I think we should return to that. Why don't we talk about our episode today? It's season two, episode six, the Schizoid Man. Did I pronounce that correctly? Um, I would have said schizoid, but uh, schizoid? I'm, I'm, I'm willing to defer to you on this. Was that the sound of another beer being opened over there? Mayhaps it was, Adam. <laughs> uh, the replicator is close at hand, and I'm rapidly turning into a beer-drinking Star Trek podcaster. I really love how this podcast is slowly uh, morphing Becoming its way a cheap ripoff your... of the Flophouse? <laughs> <laughs> no. Ma- major leitmotif on that show is... Uh, Stuart Wellington cracking a brew dog every like th- three to four minutes. I want to say. <laughs> oh, geez. Well, yeah. I must have. Yeah, I thought we were morphing our way into your other podcast. Your quite successful. Let's drink about it podcast. Yeah, I, uh, I have to maintain some some separation of the of the two intellectual properties. 
my uh, my attorneys are very clear about that. Well, I am also uh, feeling particularly scorched as uh, you got custody of me in your divorce. So <laughs> things are still pretty tender between me and Chris. I think I, I was uh, I was editing an episode of our of our show the other day, and uh, I was just like using my laptop speakers uh, to play back a section and. My wife walked by and heard you cracking wise about something and just went, oh, I love Adam. Oh, that's great. Yeah. It sort of, uh, it, it reminded me of that uh, that time you told me about when your wife picked you up for something and she was listening to your show in yeah. her car. Yeah. And I was like, wow, Adam's wife loves Adam. My wife loves Adam. Where does that leave me? I'm a real hit with the wives. <laughs> <Clearly>. <laughs> All right, so this episode of the Schizoid Man, the Schizoid Man. That might have been the longest preamble that we've ever had on the show. We're keeping all of it, by the way. Uh, The Enterprise is uh, en route to provide medical care for uh, the reclusive scientist Ira Graves. It's yet another episode where a nutty scientist has left the Federation and gone off to some remote planet to be by himself and pursue his research in peace. It makes me think the Federation might be anti-science. <laughs> yeah, what is going on in the Federation that every luminary in every field of science has bugged out? Yeah, I don't get it. So it's, it's, it's peculiar because they're getting a distress signal from Graves World, which is the name of the planet that Ira Graves has gone to. Um, That's convenient. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if that's just a coincidence or, uh, you know, how that works out. Captain, stop the ship. I think this is where you need to drop me off. <laughs> just feels like it was meant to be, man. <laughs> um, but they're, they're getting this distress signal, but uh, the communications from Graves World have been shut off. So they can't reply to say, like, we're en route. And they can't uh, get any more information about what's going on. And so they're... They're going as fast as they can, and then they get another distress call from a ship that's nearby that uh, is, uh, I guess they had like an onboard explosion, and there's like thousands of people on board that might be suffering from hypoxia and other injuries. And Pulaski, who's been real bullish on uh, how excited she was to meet Graves, is like, no, 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 we got to go help this other ship it's just so many more people so they're like oh what do we do what do we do and they decide to do a semi dangerous maneuver we're led to believe called a near warp transport which is uh where they drop out of warp momentarily transport some people down to planet service and then warp out uh toward this ship that they're going to to uh provide some aid to so um, because because they're doing this, they're not going to send Pulaski down to the planet, um, which is, for some reason, an important plot point. Um, they're going to send, like, a hot-looking Vulcan doctor instead. And um, so who is it? It's Data, Vulcan doctor, Troy, and Worf? And Worf, yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, Worf so- gets a great line here. So they the group beams down using this this process which is basically like stopping the ship suddenly beaming them down and then it goes to warp again which really doesn't seem like it would be any huge deal no 
But we are made to believe that uh, it makes you feel pretty weird if you're on the beaming end of things. They also like task Jordy with running the transport. So I guess he is taking taking the mantle in Yar's absence of being best at transporter. Yeah. E- even though O'Brien now has the job of transporter chief, they want Jordy to do this. Yeah. O'Brien's just best at standing there, mainly. Yeah. Looking on, off into the distance and feeling ennui. So they get down there, and Troy's like, holy shit. This might sound crazy, but for a moment, I thought I was stuck in that wall. For a moment, you were. How'd that wall feel? I feel like Troy is is willing to let people, like, mansplain shit to her in a way <laughs> that is almost hard to hard to buy. But she's like, what's happening? Are we on a spaceship? Where are we going? <laughs> it's got to be doubly infuriating because she can sense their thoughts as well like it's not just that she's getting mansplained all the time it's that she knows it's coming yeah she, she can see that on the horizon Ugh. yeah poor troy Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books. They send in paintings they send in uh, crochet work it's so cool and uh i want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters i want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves and you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use squarespace it'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. 
We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on. Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. They're going to start spreading out and searching Graves' compound, but uh, uh, Kareen Briannon, uh, his his lovely 19-year-old blonde assistant, uh, comes out and finds them, and she's uh, she, she explains that she uh, put this distress call out in this weird way because she didn't want Graves to find out. And Graves like makes a a real grand entrance here and kind of like completes her sentence. I couldn't take the chance. Chance? What chance? The chance that I might find out someone was coming. Corrine knew full well that I would not be pleased to put it mildly. He's got like a Peter Falk style lazy eye. <laughs> it was very distracting to me. He's also yeah, has got this like, guy been in other stuff? I feel like he he like sounds really familiar for some reason. It's interesting that you mentioned that. I also felt the same way. Uh, the actor playing Ira Graves is W. Morgan Shepard, and you remember his voice just like I do because he was the prison warden on Rue Repente in Star Trek VI. There are no stockades. There is no wall. (laughs) Work well, and you will be treated well. Work badly, and you will die. That's the guy. (laughs) Oh, man. That is such a good call. That is, uh, aside from Wrath of Khan, that is my favorite of the Star Trek films. Me too. Yeah, it's it's all about two and six. Oh, man. Only ones I need. uh, all that, uh, all the, all the like Shakespearean Klingon and yeah, and all the uh, all the floaty you know, pink blood. Yeah, it's like it's like a it's like a war movie and a prison escape movie and a mystery movie all wrapped into one. There's a we find out there's a kitchen on the Enterprise and they like make mashed potatoes by <laughs> yeah. hand. <laughs> yeah, Vulcan so Kim Cattrall with that? a North Korean haircut. I mean, come on. Oh, that movie's the total package. I yeah, love it. Fully I watch it delivers. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, back to this shitty episode. <laughs> uh, so, basically, Graves is a uh, is anti doctor. He doesn't want anybody waving any scanners at him. Um, so he's, you know, despite the fact that he is a raging misogynist and chauvinist around this hot Vulcan doctor. Yeah, he full-on, like, stares at her boobs. Yeah. He really takes umbrage at uh, at her, like, being close to him with scanning instrumentation, which I feel like, like, it's one thing to not want a doctor to, like, put something up your butt to find out how your prostate is doing. It's another thing when the doctor can stand, like, three feet away from you with a little scanning module from a tricorder like how can you be how can you complain about that i don't know i i guess i should be clear too like he ira wasn't staring at her boobs like one eye was staring at her boobs the other eye was like off 
yeah like hard, hard at, to say the face on the other well, side of the room yeah it's like anybody with anybody with a lazy eye it's hard to tell what what they're actually looking at you know she's not being a dick about her scan either like she's just giving him a once over it's not a big deal the guys but, the guys just really flipping shit yeah but uh, she determines that he has some 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 space disease. He's got a case of the spaces. Yeah. Moments like this require someone who will act, will do the unpleasant thing, the necessary thing. Which has nothing to do with a House of Cards actor. He takes a real shine to Data right yeah, away. Yeah, he, he's got he's got a couple months to live, and he wants to spend as much of them as possible sitting at his computer while Data stands around nearby. Uh, listening to his listening to his bullshit. He does that weird thing, like where he projects a familiarity onto someone else. Like he invites Data to call him Grandpa. Yeah, well, because because when uh, the like he immediately identifies Doctor Noonien Soong's work when he sees Data. He says like, "No aesthetic value of any kind. This is Soong's work." and like the and, way someone would go into a museum and go like, yeah, that's a Picasso because that woman's got a fucked up face. Yeah. Like, like um, looking at Data, you can just tell. And uh, he, t- he tells Data that uh, he taught suing everything he, everything he knew. And, um, and that, in a way, makes him Data's grandfather. And so his request of Data is for him to call him Grandpa for the rest of the episode, which he does. Yeah. Uh, as Data do, Data takes that very literally and just goes goes with the flow. So Graves uh, Graves is is the kind of character that does a lot of monologizing about uh, his evil plan. So uh, while Data is in this room, he he spends some time explaining how he's developed a method to transfer his brain's consciousness into the computer. You know, saving all of his memories and all of his thoughts for eternity, and um, Data lets slip that he can be deactivated, and uh, that's all Graves needs to know. Because of his familiarity with Soong, he guesses that he knows exactly where that button is. Right. Where would Soong put such a such a device? <laughs> Let me try the bulls. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so the Enterprise Let is... Let me di- try them again. <laughs> <laughs> One final time. <laughs> On second thought, that was the penultimate time. Let's try it <laughs> once again. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Hmm. I'm entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. So the Enterprise is finished with, the, uh, with helping this other ship and returns to orbit around Graves' world. And uh, they ask uh, the away team what their status is, and Data comes out and kind of dramatically announces that Graves has bought the farm. So they all beam back up, and uh, they have a little little funeral ceremony for, uh, for Graves in the transporter room, which I thought was a weird place to have a... A funeral, given how non-ceremonial it feels in there. Yeah, evidently he had very specific instructions on what to do with him uh, after his death, and I guess one of those instructions was to wrap him in chainmail and stick him in a <laughs> torpedo tube, yeah. or or stick him in a torpedo casing with a window on it. He does look a lot like the uh, the knight that is guarding the Holy Grail in that uh, 
in that exactly Indiana Jones film. What I was thinking, yeah, absolutely. Um, One of the Knights of Knee. <laughs> um, yeah, a, a weird scene. And, and this sort of begs a question about the transporters that uh, I've always wondered, which is why do they need a room if a point-to-point transport is doable? I don't know. I guess you just want a place to assemble your Dustbuster Club, right? Yeah, that does you want look a place pretty... to go over some shit. Yeah, fair enough. Hey, Ben, if he had to go, I have a feeling I know the answer to this question. You'd want to be shot out of the torpedo tube instead of just beamed into space, right? Fuck yeah. Yeah, what is Graves' deal? Like, he could have been he could have been as specific as he wanted to be. He could have asked for anything after his death. And, and they're like, yeah, just beam me, beam me out into space and I'll just float around. And, like and good garbage... enough for Spock should be good enough for Graves, I feel like. Yeah, shoot me like a weapon is how I'd want to go out. That's what I love about you, Adam. Where even in death, I would become a danger to myself and everyone else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I, I respect your commitment to menace and chaos. <laughs> Chaotic death. <laughs> so at this funeral, Data gets up and uh, starts, starts speaking about what a great, what a great man Graves was and what a, what a devastating loss this is for the Federation and everybody in it and um and it's a, uh, great, it's a pretty great eulogy it's way yeah. better than the one tasha yard got absolutely but it's it's de- it's delivered in this incredibly sappy way and and it starts to make everybody assembled feel real uncomfortable to the point where picard cuts him cuts him short and says like data you gotta you gotta you gotta cut this off like this is ridiculous to know him is to love him to love him is to know him. Those who knew him loved him. And those who did not know him loved him from afar. <laughs> really awful. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, Graves' whole thing is that he's a fucking genius, but he can't write for shit. <laughs> Even yeah, for his own funeral, he can't write a good eulogy. I think that's why he was probably kicked out of the Federation science area which was he was just so insufferable to be around it's a real master class in overacting from from lieutenant commander data yeah just kept talking in one long incredibly unbroken sentence moving from topic to topic so that no one had the chance to interrupt it was really quite hypnotic hypnotic, hypnotic. so this isn't the only time that data's acting weird he starts really throwing his shit around yeah, he just kind of, you know, starts being real arrogant and shitty to everybody else. Um, he really graves around a bunch. Um, and, you know, like, there's some some great little throwaway moments. Like, at some point, he's called into the ready room to get sort of called to task for what a dick he's acting like. And when he leaves, he, he walks out and, like, a female crewman walks by and he makes a point of getting a load of her butt as she as she walks past. Yeah, he gets a real big load of that butt. Like, he basically leans over and watches her walk away from him. Yeah, and then uh, pulls a uh, bike horn out of his pocket and goes, Hauga! Yeah, and he's and he takes a super shine to Kareen. Uh, and this is really the thing that tips us off, that uh, Graves is inside Data in any number of ways, but... But he's uh, he's clearly very affectionate and protective of Kareen 
uh, in yeah, all of and, their interactions. And uh, at some point, like, he thinks that uh, Picard is kind of trying to put the moves on her and, you know, makes a makes a makes a little like under the breath comment about it and when everybody clears out P- Troy turns to Riker and goes like I was feeling like emotions of jealousy coming from Data which I thought was really weird cuz she could have gone and told the captain about that but she chose not to <laughs> like I I feel like this would be like a bigger sign of something being up if not wrong you know like there's something going on with data if you're sensing human emotion coming out of him right right and also once again like the most dangerous figure on board the ship as soon as data starts acting weird that should be cause for really big concern yeah like that's a calling all cars situation and troy's like huh that's weird (laughs) i'm gonna go back to ancestry.com now so uh, they order Data to undergo some diagnostics, um, and they they first start with physical diagnostics, and uh, he goes down to engineering, and Jordy uses this kind of like electro hula hoop scanner, which I feel like it's the yeah. only time we've seen this, but it's like the coolest scanner of all time. It's pretty great. Yeah, it's like it's making this like bright blue light beam that envelops, you know, like circles around Data's body and gets like bigger or smaller depending on how much body it has to uh, uh, surround. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Data's all like, he's not really wanting to help. He's all wiggly. Jordy's <laughs> like, cut it out, man. I'm trying to hula hoop you. They can't find anything physically wrong with him. And so Troy suggests maybe it's there's something psychologically wrong with him. Maybe this isn't a hardware problem. It's a software problem. And so she runs, I think, what's called the psychotronic test on him, which uh, they say, like, everybody has to pass in order to get out of uh, Starfleet Academy. Um, And uh, apparently it's just like putting some brain scanners on him and then showing him a bunch of images and seeing how his brain reacts. You're in a desert walking along in the sand when all of a sudden... Is this a test now? Yes. You're in a desert walking along in the sand when all of a sudden you look down... What? What desert? And so they just show, like, all of these images, like, from this episode, from past episodes. There's even some some stills in there from, like, the Genesis device going off in in, uh, Wrath of Khan. They gathered a bunch of Star Trek stock photography. Yeah, which I thought was cool. It was cool to, like, have some deep cuts tossed in there with some some more contemporary stuff. Yeah, yeah, Remick was in there. It was in that quick slideshow. Oh, was he? I didn't notice that. Old shovel face. Yeah. <laughs> Giggity. She she determines uh, through this process that Data has a split personality. There's two personalities, and one of them is uh, is the dominant one, and one is the recessive one. And uh, you know, it becomes clear that da- that Graves has loaded his his consciousness into data and that it's slowly taking over and that if they don't do something soon data is going to be lost they have this rap about data's prognosis away from data and they uh picard's like well gotta go find him gotta go gotta go see if i can lawyer this thing out of him Meanwhile, Data's a 10 forward, uh, putting the moves on Kareen, and he's pretty much spilled the beans at this point. He's like, Kareen, 
I was an old man. Old and infirm and soft. But now look at me. I'm a robot man. Which means I can have infinite stamina and live forever. <laughs> and this does not go well for I him. I am fully functional and programmed in multiple techniques, Kareen. He expects Kareen to be like, awesome, build me a robot body too and we can watch the end of time. But Kareen is not happy about this. Uh, she sees him for sort of the monster that he is. Yeah. This is really upsetting to the Data Graves figure who inadvertently breaks both of her hands <laughs> in, <laughs> while holding them during this scene. Like, holy shit. <laughs> like, it, it's actually like notably violent. Yeah, uh, we find out later that her hands have been broken by him. So uh, that didn't go well for the Data Graves figure. He basically like spills the beans that like, look, I've wanted to fuck you forever, and now I actually can. Like, like let's do it. Now I got a functioning cock. Let's let's get down, baby. Let's get down. I've got two working eyes and one working cock. Let's do it. Which uh, I think she's that like no way, Jose. Any dude who is ever had consensual sex with a woman knows is not the way to a woman's heart. I've tried this method a few times and <laughs> it hasn't worked a single time. Yeah. I'm working my way up to it, but... Uh, Especially the hand-breaking. So far, Look. everything I've tried hasn't worked. <laughs> yeah. So, Data, Data Graves bolts at this point and he's, he's super pissed. So... Uh, Picard goes to confront him in engineering, yeah? Is that the next scene? Yeah, and uh, this sort of uh, echoes that uh, confrontation that Worf has with the Klingon in yeah. engineering that one time. Yeah. Um, you know, Picard walks in, there's, like, everybody's down, like, Jordy is passed out on the floor, and, you know, Graves' data is saying, like, you know, I'm not a violent man, this is not my way, uh, don't judge me by this. I just had to, and 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 this is like a a pretty like a pretty great lawyer Picard scene because mm -hmm. Picard essentially talks Graves out of being alive. Like, yeah, he talks him into suicide basically. Yeah, which is uh pretty intense. He says like, okay, you cheated death for a few days, but like you're gonna do that at the expense of the consciousness of a totally unique individual that is totally irreplaceable. And that's, you know, your calculus that he's a machine and you're a man and therefore more important, uh, doesn't really hold up around here. We like data more than we like you. Yeah. Data isn't as much of a dickhead as you are. Yeah. You know, Picard's lawyering is rad because the decision that Graves makes to terminate his consciousness inside of data and like put all of his smart stuff into the enterprise computer like man that seems like the biggest leap of the show totally. it's like it's like the guy has a chance to live forever inside data he could take over the ship at any point he could kill anyone he wanted he has ultimate power and he gives it up i feel like it was believable though because of picard's great lawyering yeah i guess i don't know I mean, you didn't feel the same way. It certainly redeems Graves as a character because, you know, he is a monster up to a point, but then accepts the idea of dying and then, yeah. and then does. Uh, so Picard lawyers him, but, that, but not before Graves pimp slaps the shit out of him. <laughs> yeah. And if Data, if Data Graves wasn't careful, like, he could have slapped Picard's head off. He clearly yeah. doesn't know his own strength. 
No. He could he could have killed both Jordy and Picard, and he doesn't. Basically on accident. And not only that, like Picard could have fallen through that glass floor. Like Which we, know we know it to dangerous. be very delicate. Yeah, we know how dangerous those glass floors are uh, surrounding the warp core. So yeah. any number of bad things could have happened. It's a it's it's a real miracle that uh, that everybody <laughs> survives this app. <laughs> they find Data lying on the floor of his quarters, and uh, Graves has transferred himself out of Data and into the computer. And Data asks everybody why he's lying on the ground, and it's a real laugh line. Yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, it, he experienced the blackout that we all have from time to time. What did I do? What did I do at that party, you guys? Why are you all looking at me weird? <laughs> nothing, dude. Nothing. He basically wakes up with a uh, with a sharpied penis on his forehead uh-huh. and, and can't remember how it got there. Damok Angelad How'd you feel about this episode, Adam? Not great. <laughs> I think the best part of the episode was the very beginning, was the cold open, uh, which we didn't talk about. So, uh, Troy and Jordy are walking through the corridors, and Troy's like, what's this all about, Jordy? Uh, Like, what are you so excited over? Jordy's like, Data is super pumped about showing us something in his room. We gotta go check it out. I've never heard him act this way before. So they go into Data's room, and the doors open up. And you see Data from behind, and he's yeah. just sort of standing, looking in the corner. And it's like we see Data through Jordy and Troy's eyes first, and they, it's just a total crack up. They're like, what the fuck is up with this? Data turns around to reveal, like, basically a pube beard on his face. <laughs> it is just the most terrifying looking beard ever. A fine, full, dignified beard. And they are shocked by this. I wonder how much they thought about going a whole episode with Data bearded. I would have loved that. I wish they had. Oh, it would have been so great. Yeah. Yeah, it was so awesome. There's a couple, like, laugh out loud lines in this scene. One of them really got me. God, I don't remember who asks, but I think it was Troy that was like, did you damage your face? (laughs) (laughs) Which, like, that terminology is awesome for a number of reasons, but also, like... That is the question my wife asks me every time I go more than two days without shaving. Like, <laughs> like, as bad as this beard was on Data, I was still a little envious. <laughs> it was a it was a very uh, full beard. It looked like a boy band beard that had been painted in with like mascara. Right. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Real it was bad. dark. And it, there was some Grecian formula in this beard. I wish we had gotten the scene where it grows. Like, I'm sure they just didn't have the technology to show it, but, like, the scene where Data holds his breath and pushes a beard out of his face, I think would have been hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, and, and like, the scene where he just grows a huge nap of prodigious chest hair. Like, like the amount of time he spends just fucking around with body hair. Yeah. It'd be great. Uh, It'd be so good. That was the best scene of a mostly forgettable episode, I thought. I agree. What did you think? I'm 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 right there with you. As you were watching this episode, did you find yourself a little drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda. I sure did. Uh this is a little throwaway line that I just thought was real funny. I feel like Jim Shimoda, uh Jim Shimoda's spirit was alive <laughs> in this in this moment. At the end when they're waking Data up off the floor and he doesn't remember anything and he's like asking what happened. 
Riker goes, does wrestling with a Klingon Targ mean anything to you? And they're all like laughing, which I feel like is doubly cruel because A, it's just, you know, not something that Data actually did. And B, Data is the kind of person that will believe that Riker is just being 100% truthful. Right. But it's also just like, like, Riker could have made a real joke about something that Data really did when he was passed out, but he just... He went with, does wrestling with a Klingon Targ mean anything to you? Yeah, Ridiculous. do you remember staring at all those asses for a couple of days? <laughs> yeah. Does that come to mind at all? Yeah, remember uh, temporarily beating my my uh, point average for female conquest on the ship? You remember almost slapping Picard's head off of his neck? <laughs> my Shimoda goes a little darker than yours, I think. Um, just the idea that a the only reason that Graves wants to live forever is so he can fuck his assistant is like, uh, that's that's like the most basis, that's the most base version of a Shimoda, like to be just led around by your cock into making a decision, <laughs> and that was that was that for me, like God, like the stakes are so high and it's just for his assistant, like. I, I mean, she, she's, she's a, super foxy. That's yeah. for sure. She's a hot lady. Uh, she is very foxy, but is basically given zero character at all. Like we don't know a thing about her. Yeah. So must be pretty great if Graves is into it that much. But also, like we can't really trust Graves' judgment about anything. No. That yeah. So sort cannot. of a sort of a dark Shimoda on that one. I am cute as a board. You will respond to my questions. I am Locutus aboard. You are bored. What do we have coming up on the next episode, Ben? Adam, this is uh, this is kind of crazy, but we actually have episode seven, Unnatural Selection, coming up, which is oh, man. two two Star Trek cards that I happened to open at the beginning of this episode. No are... one is going to believe this, but I promise you, like, like it is, this is absolutely legitimate. Like, we didn't set that up. You got cards coming from the episode we're about to watch. Two out of five cards that I opened from a packet of a box with... I mean, there's probably 200 cards in here. God. You know what? We should should do the card opening from time to time, but I think we should respect it a little more if these are magic cards that I got you. Yeah, it seems like they may be. Yeah, it's a real... uh, It's sort of a late night johnny carson bit like you open up the star trek card and then we get the next episode that was inside yeah it's like yuri geller had something to do with these cards (laughs) two percenter (laughs) so what's Uh, unnatural selection about the crew grapples with a mysterious disease which accelerates the aging process causing humans to die of old age within a matter of days Oh man, I do remember this episode. They break out that uh, face makeup that they put on that one admiral, uh, yeah. like ten episodes ago, right? Like, basically the burlap sack covered in plaster. Everyone I, gets real old looking. It's great. I think the thing that I remember kind of hating about this episode is that the actors that play the people that like have been exposed to this disease for a while are actual <laughs> old people. So then when They're they like turn around in front of them. Yeah, so then when you t- they turn around and start doing the makeup, it just looks all the more cheesy for it. God, that's so cruel. This yeah. is what we think you look like. 
I remember actually rooting for Pulaski to die in this episode. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's definitely like the most advanced in years of any character on the ship. And and the most disliked character of season two. Yeah. Like, even at a very young age, I remember, like, well, she's not in the real credits. They're still introducing her as special guest. Like, maybe this is her last one. Do you remember what happens to Wesley the boy in this episode? No. No. Does he get old? I don't know. I'm, I'm, uh, I can't remember. I'm, I, I'm dying to find out. All right. Well, let's check it out. Let's check it out and then do another episode of this show. Sounds good. <laughs> that sound like a good plan? Uh, yeah, we could keep fueling our podcast. All right. Well, if you want to talk about this, that, or any other episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, feel free to seek us out on Twitter using the hashtag GreatestGen. Uh, we're also on there as Cut for Time and Benjamin R. A-H-R. Uh, please go to iTunes and leave us a nice review. Um, yeah, if you haven't done that yet, uh, make that a part of your routine. Yeah, um, we've got so many, and, and we're so honored by everybody uh, who has done it already. But uh, it's it's like one of the number one ways we expand our audience. And, um, you know, it's not a lot to ask, I don't think. So uh, go ahead and do that. Yeah, thanks. Or whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Look, if I could rate you as listeners, I would. Yeah, five yeah, stars. Yeah, yeah, if you're listening to this show, five stars for you. You're the best. Yeah, why don't you why don't you get us back with some of that five star action? Thanks. Uh, we want to thank Dark Materia for our uh, opening and interstitial music. Thanks, Dark Materia. You thank can find you, the Picard sir. song everywhere. And we will be back at you next time with another amazing episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and also another episode of The Greatest Generation. Sounds great. See you then. Later, Adam. Bye. MaximumFun.org.